You are listening to the Children's Book Marketing Podcast, the podcast that teaches self-published children's book authors how to use branding to connect with readers, leverage content to sell more books, and grow a business that goes beyond the book. Being a children's book author means you found a unique way to deliver messages with words and illustration. But to thrive as an independent publisher, you'll need to master the art of attracting and engaging with readers so that you can sell more books. Join me to learn proven marketing strategies that can be implemented without hassle or complexity to take your publishing endeavors to new heights. I'm your host, Michaela Simone Ben, mompreneur marketing maven, fellow self-published children's book author and content creator. Are you ready to define success on your own terms? Then let's get to it. Hello, hello. This is Michaela. Thank you for joining today. You have tuned in for episode 15, where we'll get three must-haves that serve as the basis of your children's book messaging content. And the reason these three things are so important really is so simple and straightforward that a lot of people overlook it and don't realize that they are. When you're looking at what to say, and what to share and what to talk about, it starts by thinking about what you know definitively about your book and then making it possible for your readers to understand what's in your heart, what's in your mind. And when you have those components of what's the story and what's the theme and what are some of the things that sit in the space of your purpose, it is very difficult to run out of things to talk about. So the other component to that is making sure you're appealing to your ideal readers. And I have a simple way for you to find your ideal reader if you're not already aware of who that is. So let's just go ahead and get started. So first thing that needs to come up is your brand story. Is that a term you're familiar with? Probably because once upon a time, The Children's Book Marketing Podcast was called Brand Story Boulevard, and it was a play on words to an extent. We talk about our author brand and we talk about our story. We write a story that's a children's book. However, we also have a story that explains part of why we decided to write the book, and they're not the same story. The name has since changed. The company is now as you're aware, the Children's Book Marketing Company, and that was driven primarily on the strength of the podcast taking off the way that it did. The Children's Book Marketing Podcast is what more people became familiar with. And so it just made sense to rebrand. And if you want to understand how that whole thing went, check out a previous episode where I talk all about the explanation behind why and when this happened. And I will leave a link to that in the show notes. So your brand story, what exactly is it? It's not just your why, but it includes your why. Your why behind why you decided to write a children's book in the first place is something that is very important for you to understand and also be able to explain. But then it goes a little bit deeper. It goes into what led you to write the book. What occurred in your world that made it important for you to bring to light the themes and the story that's within your children's book? Your brand story is not just talking about why you decided to sit down and write a book. 
it's more into the depth of what prompted you to make a commitment. Why was it so important to you? Not just why did you write it, but what did you feel when you were motivated enough to go through the self-publishing process with it in mind to make something accessible to children who face a certain issue or parents who need help working through certain things with their children. It taps into your mission. Your brand story explains a cause that you may want to elevate. And it's something that's bigger than you, which is, as you're aware, far beyond the significance of simply why you wrote the book. Now, you and I didn't write the same book, so we can't talk about the same things. My brand story is remarkably different from your brand story because the story that I wrote was from my perspectives, from my life experiences, from the energy and the situations that I want to bring visibility to. And yours is uniquely able to stand on its own because you have your own set of situations and values. You have your own way of approaching what moved you to make a book happen when you probably have a full-time job, you probably have a family that requires time and attention, and you probably have some other things that you could be doing with your spare time aside from operating as a children's book author and running a children's book business. So we can't really talk about the same things. And it's okay that you can't because that's what makes it possible for your messaging to be distinctly unique. Now, are there books about the topic that you've chosen? Of course there are. There are lots of books about how children can feel about the physical appearance in ways that uplift them and edify the beauty that exists in what they see in the mirror. But it's not told exactly the same way from somebody else's perspective. Or if your book, like an author friend of mine, has to do with helping children understand how to embrace music, you may have a different instrument that you've decided to learn. You may have a different song in your heart than the person who wrote a book about something that also relates to music. And in those opportunities where you can say things slightly different from them, you're going to speak to a different audience of readers, but in a way that resonates with the people who care about things that are similar to what you've mentioned in your story, which is something that you care significantly about as well. The framework for writing your brand story is more of a buildup. And it's something that I work through with all of my coaching clients because it takes time to get to exactly where you need to be so that you can provide the transparency, build the trust that your audience is going to seek from you. And as people become familiar with more of the things that serve as the drivers behind why you write and why you write what you write, then you can begin to build relationships with them. So it's important to share that story because a good story goes a long way. 
Are you struggling to connect with followers online because you're not sure what to say to convert them from somebody who's just looking at your account to someone who's supporting your children's book business? Or maybe you're having a difficult time figuring out what to say other than asking people to buy your children's book. Well, if you're having a difficult time with either of these, I have something that you will not want to miss. It's called Content Props. 365. It's over 12 months of content for you to share in social media or anywhere you plan to post online to connect with potential readers. It's also going to give you over two dozen calls to action to make sure you're prepared to give readers that next step you want them to take without being repetitive and constantly sounding like you're begging for someone to buy your book. In addition to that, you're also going to get my top social media creation and sharing tools, the ones that I use every day to keep releasing engaging content and to drive traffic back to my websites to what? Convert followers into buyers. That plus more. So if this is something that you are ready to start doing, you definitely need to get Content Prompts 365. Go to childrensbookmarketing.co slash CP365. All right, let's get back into this episode. Next, you want to talk about your book. People always ask, you know, how many different things am I supposed to say about buying my book? And that's not something that I think we should ignore. There are lots of different ways to ask someone to buy your book, but particularly what about your book should make someone want to buy it? It's really important to introduce different components of what's within your story in order to generate that intrigue that your ideal reader will want to have. Because remember, people who are living on budgets and may also have a certain threshold for what their cash outlay is each month, are not just interested in spending money with you because you have a cute cover. Covers go a long way, but that is not entirely what's going to sell your children's book. What's going to give you a way in to the mind of your ideal reader is when you share what about the themes within your story are what may be relevant to them. What may your story open up for the imagination or for the possibilities that children can explore new concepts and ideas? These may be things that you think because you've written it, everybody understands, but your readers really may not. And the title may be a great place to start having a conversation with your readers about what else they can anticipate when they dig into your book. So you want to talk about the themes. You want to talk about the characters. Bring them to life. You've personified someone based on a personal experience that you have or a complete fictional experience with your own creativity that developed a character that you have come to know and love. And don't you want your readers to do the same thing? Of course you do. 
what are these characters' personality traits? What are these characters likely to say to certain situations that you might have touch points with in your day-to-day? Can they encourage you? Can they give you good reminders? Can they in some way leap off of the pages of your book and be perceived the same way we do characters that we see on television and in movies. When you think about your characters, if you developed a character on the basis of someone that you have an actual relationship with, draw the parallels between the person that you had in mind when you created the character and how they may be identical or slightly different from the character that you created. For instance, in my children's book, Little Mr. Fix-It assists with the to-do list. It's a story about a father and son who spend the day together and they're doing household project improvements that have been assigned by the mother of the house. Well, one of those people who shows up in the story, it's the store owner. And the store owner was fashioned off of imagery of my grandfather. And my grandfather passed away when he was about 92 years old and he lived a very full life. One of the things that he did during the course of his lifetime was fight in World War II. Now, whether or not you know all of the history behind why World War II occurred and what was the nature of the political, etc., taking place at a time when African-Americans were not welcomed in the military. In fact, he belonged to one of the first companies in the Navy that was permitted to fight in World War II. And because my grandfather and I had a very special relationship the entire time that I've been on this planet, when it was Veterans Day, I wanted to honor him in some way. So this most recent Veterans Day in fall of 2021, I wrote a blog post about my grandfather, tied it in with a paper that I wrote when I was 15 or 16 years old. And in that paper, I mentioned how my grandfather is the Mr. Fix-It of our family. And I tied it in with the book, even though he wasn't here to witness the book being published. The influence that this one character has for me is profound. And unless I explain that, it's very easy for a reader to flip to that page, check out the store owner, see that he's an older African-American man. And without that context, just keep on going by. Now, I have actually had people ask me more about him because I brought visibility to the aspect of how the character was created and who it's fashioned off of. That's a story that began taking shape when I did the Kickstarter campaign for the book in December of 2020. So that consistent revisiting of a character is something that makes my content very different from a lot of other books that might have father and son love at the center of it. See how that works. Now, the other thing you can consider about your book are things like 
the plot being what's happening in the, the book, you should be able to pull directly from your book description and be able to summarize that. But then also when we talk about the setting of the book, where's the characters in your book being depicted? It helps because it gives you additional context. And I'll share about a client that I had who had the most amazing setting. Her story was about a child who lived in a community that was multicultural. And these characters show up in a common area where they're kind of just like all at the park. Everybody's enjoying a really nice day out. More of a suburban setting within an urban context. What did that even come from is something that she's able to explain. Why does the group of people that she pulled from all over the world convened in this particular area? What is that like, that sense of community? That's, of course, a talking point that we pulled out for her content marketing plan, but it's also a very significant way of framing what else lives in the space of her content, which is number three, things that you can relate to real life. It's so important to be relatable. It's so important to be able to live in someone's mind as a person that you can connect with, something you have in common. The similarity is one of the things that unite people who are going to read your book to other people who are going to read your book. And so as you decide how you're going to build your community of ideal readers, knowing that there are some things that most of your ideal readers hold as sacred or deem important, they're coming into your world, they're going to be in good company. Hey, it's Nikella. Real quick, I got a question for you. Have you already subscribed to the Children's Book Marketing Podcast? If you haven't, then I want to invite you to do that right now on your favorite streaming service. That way you never miss an episode. Each time an episode goes live, you'll always be notified and it will be there waiting for you. So you never have to try to go find it and lose track of it among the hundreds of other things that you have going on. When you subscribe, you're showing your support, of course, and I appreciate that. So I want to thank you for tuning in. Now, back to the podcast. Now, there are events that you can create where you unite your ideal reader on the basis of some of the common factors that your ideal readers share. And there are promotions that your ideal readers will be interested in participating in and ways for you to figure out how to communicate about those promotions are on the basis of you knowing what appeals to them. And if you know what appeals to them, then you can make it clear how you have something of value that they want. We create content in order for our readers to engage. And so if your readers are engaging with you, they've got to be roped in to things that exist in their world and they have an awareness of. And if they don't have that awareness and you're the person who delivers the reasons why they should pay more close attention to it, then you're definitely serving your ideal readers in a way that makes them more interested in supporting your children's book business. Now, what matters to your ideal readers? It depends. Lots of things. Would someone who is your ideal reader respond to X, Y, or Z is determined when you understand who they are. And the best way to understand who they are is to choose who your ideal reader is. Who's the person that you wrote the book for? Who's the person that you had in mind when you wrote the book so that 
it's always a two-way communication, not just them reading your book, but you also being able to speak with them in your content marketing strategy through social media and email communications. What matters to readers should be the lens that you take as you decide what to share. So think of it this way. Would someone who supports me want to know this or that? Ask yourself, how does this thing that I'm going to say make me relatable to my ideal readers? Ask as you prep, is this a statement that will polarize or alienate me from my readers? Which is sometimes a good thing because if you're polarizing, you're getting rid of people who might not vibe with you to begin with. And that helps in a way, probably sounds twisted, but that helps make it so that the people who are most attracted to you are the people who stick around. Does this edify, extol, excite, entertain, or encourage readers in some impactful way? Does it do anything for them? Or am I just trying to get something off my chest? Am I just trying to check a box? Is it something that I committed to do that I just need to stick with it and I'll throw anything up there? Any episode before now will likely explain to you one of my favorite phrases, which is you ain't going to just slap something together and call it worthwhile. That is not time well spent. So how you can make sure it is, is you can tap into what is most appealing to your ideal reader. Now, I said that I was going to share with you a resource that will help you. It's three simple steps to choosing your ideal reader. That's where you can find out more of why the communications between you and your ideal reader need to take place, who your ideal readers may be, and how you can address them at a level that speaks to them and resonates with them. And then also how you can use that with in the context of all of your marketing. Now, I hope this episode gave you some things to think about, encouraged you. You should never run out of things to talk about. And if you're not sure how to pull together that plan, definitely reach out to me. This is what content marketing is all about. And this is what I coach about. If this episode has been at all helpful for you, please make sure you subscribe to the podcast is available streaming on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, and of course, Spotify.